we get there and like all the Swiss students, they've been there early. So everything's all pinned up beautifully, you know, and the work is freaking unbelievable. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, where they, how they do this. And uh, they, they were blowing us away. Bob and I were so humbled. Hi, hello, and welcome to Architecting. So this is a podcast about the lives of architects, about the, the people and the stories behind the buildings and the images that we see around us. And with this very international world that we live in, this show will purposely be local and narrow, only focusing on the Colorado community of designers. I'm your host. My name's Adam Wagner. I'm a Denver-based architect. I'm married to an architect. I have two architecture degrees and have worked for a dozen architecture firms in three different countries. But for the last five years, I've been rooted in Denver, where I'm at Open Studio Architecture, and I teach at the University of Colorado, Denver. I like connecting with other architects and learning from their experiences. And now I'm broadcasting these stories with the goal of creating a stronger local community. So that brings us to our guest today, to Rick Peterson, a well-known principal at the large local architecture firm, Oz. So Rick is an architect that I've heard a lot about, but never been able to meet. So I was happy to be able to use his podcast as an excuse to get to know him better. Um, and he has a way about him that, that's very approachable and really gives you the feeling that, that you've known him for, for a long time. And like I said at the beginning of this interview that you'll hear, uh, Rick has a very impressive resume. He is a graduate of the University of California, Berkeley and Harvard's Graduate School of Design with a, a stint at the ETH in Zurich. He's worked for Donald K. Olson and Associates, SOM, and Coleman, McKinnell, and Wood uh, before spending the last 30 years at Oz Architecture where he's a principal. And look, I, I sort of had to cut this off at about an hour, uh, but we could have talked a lot longer about other parts of Rick's career. We never got into his teaching that he's done with the University of Colorado or the dozens of lectures that he's given or the leadership that he's provided to the AIA, as well as being awarded an FAIA. Uh, we only scratched the surface on the amount of projects that he's developed. Um, so we might have to have kind of like a part two with Rick at some point, or at least I'll have to um, hit record the next time we grab a beer. Um, anyways, I hope you enjoy this one. Um, and remember to check us out on Instagram or go to architect-ing.com to see images of Rick's work. Thanks. That was pretty, I think we got pretty, it. pretty painless. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I'm, using a, I'm using a little duct tape to uh, make sure my iPhone is uh, standing up and still in power. So yeah. Nice. It's like, a, <laughs> it's like an architectural, um, problem right there is is just figuring out how to get the phone to yeah to from right. 3 58 to 4 p.m so yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's kind of, don't that's go kind anywhere of, with that duct tape that's kind of like the profession right 3 58 to 4 p.m that's when you get most stuff done or the amount of time you have to do things and yeah i don't know i don't know <laughs> i just i just gapped a uh, a zoom call at 3 30 that uh i was just sitting here at my desk doing doing my thing and uh and then uh, about 3.35, someone buzzes me and says, uh, are you going to join us? Like, yeah, I've been sitting here waiting. Oh, it's 3.35. So. <laughs> yeah, I do that when I, when I say, oh, you know, oh, I have, I have three minutes before, I, before that mm -hmm. meeting starts. I can, get, I can get something done. And then 
right. 335, yeah. But. We architects have no sense of time. Never did, never will. So. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> well, thanks for joining. Good seeing you. you thanks know. for the opportunity. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, um, oh, this is, I guess, officially the only second time we've met. We, we, it was nice uh, when, we, when I reached out to you earlier and you, you wanted to have an have a initial call and, and um, had a good long conversation with you. And it just feels like I've known you for a long time already, you know, but uh, I don't, I don't know why. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, and, and I think it's, um, I, you know, it's also, I've, I've heard so much about you, you know, our, our mutual friend, the great Miles Dake, he, he talks about you quite a bit. And my wife interviewed with you when we All first right. moved here. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah. And then, and then I think, you know, you sent your, you, you did something nobody's done for me yet is sent, sent their resume over. And, uh, and that's, that's probably like the most impressive resume I've ever seen about, about 12 pages long of just accomplishments and well, uh, there are others positions that, you've interviewed and, that ha may have, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's more quality than quantity. So, um, uh, don't get duped, duped, you know, no, I've no, just no. been doing this a while. So that it adds to the resume. So, yeah. But, well, uh, well, that that starting us off, let's uh, let's let's go to the first question. So, how how would you introduce yourself to somebody? How, who who are you? <laughs> Did some summed up in as short or as long as you want? Oh, uh, I'm uh, I'm the father of two awesome girls and a husband to an awesome wife, and um, I happen to be an architect. Still trying to figure this out. Uh, still have curiosity about how to do it better. Still uh, making mistakes most days. Um, and uh, uh, I guess I would say it's important to know that um, I'm doing this in uh, a place where it is uh, really exciting to work, has been since uh, we moved here in 91 from Boston. I'm from uh, the Bay Area, San Francisco area mm. originally, but Allison and I moved here uh, in 91 um, and uh, have, and, and for most of the reasons why everyone else moves here, uh, quality of life uh, and opportunity. Um, and I've, I've just um, found that Denver and the Rocky Mountain region is one uh, that just works. Uh, there, there's not only the opportunity, but it's really, really fun to work in uh, because uh, it's so collaborative. It's, you know, um, that's overused a lot, uh, but uh, I, I am convinced that this region is unique in that um, everyone's basically here to help each other. I'm boiling it down. Um, I'm simplifying it, uh, but, but it's, it's much stronger than, uh, than the coasts or, or a lot of other places in the world. And, and uh, I, I really, I think that's really helped shape my career too. Um, I, I'm, I'm really get. Uh, excited by helping others, whether it be a client or a general contractor or um, or even another competing architect. Um, hmm. So there's a there's a kind of uh, we're all in it uh, together here. That is is uh, that describes uh, me. Uh, I'm, I'm back to I'm still on your first question. <laughs> That's good. I like that. So so that so that attitude. I mean, you know. That's a fairly unique attitude, I'd say, especially for someone. I mean, you you know both coasts because you've been on both coasts, right? And 
but so that attitude of kind of uh the collaborative helping each other out does that did did that start with uh growing up in the bay area going to berkeley like is that a kind of thing so let's start with your kind of background there um oh oh i i don't know um yeah that's a good question um i mean some people like my some of my partners would say that that uh I'm just wired to uh, not uh, really follow through on stuff really well. And, and, and I'm really good at getting other people inspired to do things. So, uh, which, you know, uh, most other people are smarter and more creative than me anyway. Uh, so, so that's good. Um, um, but I, I don't know where the roots are on that. It, it may, I don't know. I'm a bit ADD. So it's the, the latest uh, flashy thing uh, gets my attention and that works well for uh, my role uh, with with the firm because uh, I'm, I'm, I see opportunities and find a way to uh, make connections and, and ultimately uh, in service of the client right mm. and uh, that that's that's the role here is to to um, get the right people around the room to uh, to do great projects yeah so that's interesting I mean so what let's let's go back to you to your kind of background and growing up. So you grew up in the Bay area and then yeah. you went to school at Berkeley. Was it, was it a pretty like clear choice? So that's where you want to go or how, tell me about how that kind of. Well, it was the only place I applied, which is crazy these days, huh? <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and about six months into it, I think me I, I and many other people realized that, um, you know, the door was kind of shutting behind us, um, you know, B plus, high school students in California. Um, so anyway, that uh, it was the only place I applied because my grandfather uh, went there and uh, uh, had a chance to be on the campus a, a few times and um, just thought it was a really great place. Did I want to be an architect? I wasn't positive then, kind of sure. I knew they had a good, strong program, but uh, you know, started uh, thinking that I'd take some pre-med classes and that lasted about a week, I think, organic chemistry, something like that. So, um, you know, it was a kind of thing where you just start taking some of the, the uh, undergrad pre, uh, prerequisite classes and uh, you take one and that leads to the next and then the next and suddenly you're graduating with environmental back, environmental design. Now you don't know anything about architecture uh, and we kind of knew that. No, we didn't know that. Kind of knew it. Uh, but it's a real liberal arts degree. It's it's very similar to the one at CU Boulder. Um, um, but, but I was not qualified at all to practice architecture or even be in an office. But I got a really great opportunity. And this was in 82 when I graduated and there was uh, really no work. So I, um, uh, a roommate was uh, working a burger place and he uh, got them to hire me to be a barista. So I, I was, in 1982, this is like before Starbucks, I was learning how to make a uh -huh. coffee. That's pretty cool. That's something but, that will serve you for, for your life, yeah. And, but I was terrible at it, really, really terrible at, at um, uh, managing my time. And um, yeah, so that didn't last long. But I got a great job. Oh, I posted, or I went into the AIA would this is all pre-digital, so you'd have to uh, you'd have to take the bus into San Francisco. You go to the AIA office and look on the uh, cork board, and there's a little notice for an architect intern uh, at a small firm in Sausalito, so in Marin County. And 82, there was really no work, um, 
but uh, for rich people. And uh, Marin County has those, lots of them. And so I, um, I got this amazing opportunity to join this seven-person firm. And uh, the first day, this is important, because the, the first day, basically, the head of the office who had come, these guys were from uh, Arkansas and Oklahoma. And they'd been there 10, 15 years beforehand. But <clears throat> the day, day one, uh, Don Olson, uh, name, name on the door, says, okay, so uh, we basically know you don't know anything. So we're going we're gonna to teach you uh, to be an architect here uh, or start teaching you to be an architect. And I said, I don't know, what's that mean? See, so he says, you're going to see the whole project from start to finish, the whole, the whole shoot and match from uh, um, uh, meeting with a client, uh, uh, getting, uh, made, understanding the zoning codes, uh, um, uh, soliciting a general contractor, uh, working with them to solve problems as they're building it. You're going to do all of that. And I'm terrified. He says that your first, your first project is going to be, we're going to start you uh, sl a little slow. The first project is a trash can enclosure for a client. <laughs> So next to their garage, uh, an enclosure for the trash cans. Oh my God, that was really challenging. Was it in a setback? Uh, what, where, 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 how do I detail the, how do you keep the slats from falling apart and the hardware on it? How do you spec that? Uh, working with a contractor to build it. I mean, everything. So the, that was really cool that he started me like that. And then the next project was a carport, right? Sounds simple enough. Oh my God, impossible, almost. So, uh, and, and it was this two years of just kind of gradually feeding a little bit more complexity um, in a small firm, you know, uh, six, seven people uh, where everyone uh, sort of is there for mentoring and helping. And these people have become lifelong friends. Uh, hmm. uh, and uh, one may be on, I don't know, I hope he's not. But uh, anyway, that was uh, a gift. Right. So I encourage a lot of students to uh, uh, not run for big, big, large firms right away. Um, cut your teeth in area and in, in small firms where you have that that kind of um, intimacy and, and support. Now, now we are a larger firm that is chopped up into a bunch of, in a way, smaller groups that hope, I think, really do offer that kind of support for growth uh, at the same time. So, you know. You probably don't do a lot of carports, uh, I, I'm guessing, but uh, no, but, but but we do a lot of uh, you know we serve our clients no matter what they need, and some of them like Denver Public Schools or uh, they'll need a boiler replacement or a, a screen for a mechanical unit on the roof, and and we're there for them. So right, know, yeah, that that's okay. And again, those those are challenging projects because hardly any project has enough time or money to. Uh, to do it yeah so. and especially like yeah that that trash enclosure that's that's so perfect it's like yeah that little building in a microchasm that you have to go through all the same steps but yeah it's, it's yeah supposedly and it's I, easier but yeah i had no idea i it seemed easy enough you know when he told me about it it's like no it's not so easy <laughs> <laughs> yeah so. so how how long did you stay at that firm then so that was for two years i uh um had classmates who, this is another really key thing. Uh, I had some friends who uh, had um, more smarts and aspirations than I did and more self-confidence. So uh, one guy 
really close friend who's also could be on, I don't know, um, turns to me as we're um, leaving uh, studio one night at, at Berkeley and he goes, uh, I, I said, so what's up or something? And he goes, oh, I'm I, uh, applying to Harvard. And I said, you're, you're what? He goes, yeah, I'm applying to Harvard. And I go, I didn't know we could do that. And he goes, yeah, we could do that. So so he did and he got in. Um, I did and didn't get in. Uh, um, and then, um, but but he was he was like you, you you can do this you know so uh, anyway I was there at this this firm for two years after one year uh, I applied there and uh, and and Columbia and um, got into Columbia but not Harvard and um, I decided uh, I, I really wanted to work for a couple of years anyway uh, one year isn't enough to sort of get into anything. But I, I figured it might take me a couple of years to get in, and sure enough, it did. <laughs> so, so I uh, so I took a couple of years to do that. Once I got in, then I uh, so that was the two year mark uh, working for this small firm, and then I headed to Boston. So you know what what helped also to get in the second time is at this uh, 1982 when there was no work the first summer just after graduating under, undergrad. Um, there was a group at Cornell who was, um, uh, they did an exchange with 10, 12 students from Berkeley, went to Cornell for the summer, and 12 mm. Cornell students came to Berkeley for the summer. And um, I had very little else to do, so I thought, oh, well, I'll see what uh, East Coast education is like. Um, and so I, I spent the summer at Cornell. And uh, where I'm going with this is that... Um, uh, I think one of the selection committee, uh, the portfolio review people, the admissions office at at, um, at Harvard, and I don't think I know he uh, he was on that group, and uh, I bet he helped um, get me in the second time. So, so <laughs> however, yeah. you, however you can do it, right? Yeah, it's, there's that. Yeah, yeah. So you did the exchange in Cornell. So, I mean, you know, like that that idea of choosing a grad school, you know, it's like, it seems like most of the time you choose an undergrad where it's nice and close to you and kind of cheap, but then grad school is that, that nice thing where you can really reach out normally and, and really kind of choose kind of the direction you're going in, you know? And so you said you, you applied to Columbia and Harvard, right? Uh, yeah. And um, what was kind of going on at the time? It was, it, was it like, Oh, I, I just got... want to go to the best. I want to get, yeah. you know, like yeah, why, no. why those two or, no. or why Harvard? No. Or... Oh, this is great. This is, um, no, I got all sorts of um, insights on that that I think apply still today. Okay. So uh, first of all, the Cornell thing was like eight weeks. And I learned more about architecture in that eight weeks than the previous four years at Berkeley. So, um, well, because it was a little less, you know, liberal arts too, right? To be fair. I mean, it was yeah. really focused and it was uh, these... Um, at the time, it was these uh, educators who had started in Texas with Colin Rowe, the oh, yeah. Texas Rangers. The Texas Rangers, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. they were there. It was Michael Dennis and uh, Colin, uh, Colin Rowe was there and alive and Lee Hodgkin, all these guys, old guys. Um, yeah. So that was super instrumental, I, I think, anyway, to me. Uh, and so that galvanized that I want to go to grad school on the East Coast. And uh, Michael Dennis, was he was the one on the selection committee that probably helped grease the the wheels to get me in. Um, when I got, uh, so I wasn't convinced that Harvard was the, the right one. Uh, Columbia at the time, everyone was saying Columbia is a better school. You should go there because um, 
Harvard is just a, it's a cookie cutter for corporate architects. That, mm. that was, that was the, uh, that was what people were talking about back then. And uh, Columbia is doing like real work. And uh, so I went to New York and uh, I checked out the, well, I made a loop. I, I went to Columbia and then up to Harvard. This is after I got into Harvard. So I was trying to decide between these two. A lot of people were saying Columbia is really where it's happening. And, and by gosh, it, it was, I went up to the studio in Avery Hall and um, it was, you know, nine o'clock at night. It's it, it after dinner, right? When studios start really happening. And I go in there and um, crickets, there's no one there. There's hardly really? anyone there. Huh. Apparently the, the economy then, uh, in, now this is in 84, so I guess it was picking up. Uh, it was big enough in New York that um, a lot of the students were all off like working for their professors doing uh, helping on real projects. Hmm. So it so I'm told, <laughs> you know, again, this could be my, through my filter of uh, anyway, uh, it, the studio was pretty dead. And, uh, you know, I thought like, OK, well, and I didn't know have anything to compare it with other than Worcester Hall at, at Berkeley, which uh, was one of these classic kind of, you know, you're, it, it's humming at night. A lot of people uh, collaborating, you know. Um, so then I get on the train, go up to Boston, walk into Gund Hall at nine or 10 at night. And that thing is on fire. I mean, yeah. like humming. Like there's just <laughs> energy. Like yeah, you, you that can't big believe. space, yeah, yeah. Well, that helps too. Yeah, you know the trays. Everyone's see all kind of open, and you yeah. hear everyone. And and uh, I mean, in thirty seconds, you're like, okay, I get it. You know, this is where it, I, 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 but you know, I have no idea how I got in here, uh, really. But um, I want to be here. So that was that was the kind. Of... So who? What was the buzz with Columbia? Like who? Who was the dean? Who was who was there? And then, yeah. Yeah, it was like Chumi was, okay, it was, yeah. it was uh, just uh, not quite Chumi. I think I forget um, who all, who all the, the players were at the time. I mean, it was Eisenman and, and all those uh, yeah. names. They were just names to me. I didn't really understand what, what that meant too much, but you know, they were names. Yeah. And then Harvard was that, was, was Cert that, the dean there? No, no. I'm not that old. <laughs> <laughs> Almost. I'm 60, so I'm old. Uh, but uh, I thought he lasted uh, a while. But he did. It was Harry Cobb. Really. Oh yeah. Okay. He was there, and then I, I was there between Cobb and Moneo. So oh, okay. it, it was that, and then the um, dean was McHugh from from San Francisco. So that was was going on, and it was there was this uh, uh, Texas Ranger stuff uh the uh, there were several of them from syracuse and cornell and and then you had switzerland uh you had mario Campi and mm. dolph schnabley and and mark angelil uh who was just this young pup at the time but uh he was teaching uh first year and they there was this connection to the eth hmm. uh, uh that's the swiss polytechnic in zurich yeah. and um i uh i that resonated with me a lot. And, and so one of my main mentors who we just lost last uh, about six months ago, uh, not even uh, Bruno Fister, he was a Syracuse ETH, Swiss born ETH, then went to Syracuse uh, to teach and, and also Maryland. Anyway, he was, he was a professor of mine that uh, he and his wife uh, came to our wedding and uh, really meaningful. He's my architectural father. Right? Mm. So, 
um, through him, uh, I also uh, knew or got to know the opportunity for the ATH. So halfway through Harvard, I went to uh, Zurich for uh, almost, a, I'd like for eight months because the semesters are uh, not aligned. Then uh, you can go and um, I worked for a couple of firms there in Zurich uh, and then did a semester uh, at the school and then came back. Oh, cool. uh, from for my thesis kind of thing. And that was super instrumental in informing how I think about architecture and in life too. The main thing I learned about that. How much time do we have, by the way? This is keep rolling, man. There's no, oh, God. no limit. Let's uh, well, you know, it'll there's be a how huge... long people stay on. I guess that's the thing. But, oh, yeah. well, then we should, that, <laughs> that could be like three minutes. Right. Um, a really great lesson about working as an architect in, in life, um, I got there. Two, two of us Harvard students did an exchange with ETH and two ETH students came to Harvard. The two, uh, so I, it was me and this kid from, from um, Buffalo, Bob Pietraski, who's uh, in Germany now working. Uh, he married uh, a woman, a German, and they are like the town architect for, they're doing really great work. Anyway, Bob mm. and I, Bob and I show up at, the studios in Switzerland, and uh, we think we're hot stuff. Uh, and uh, we are at our desks in their studio um, at uh, and jamming on our Walkman, uh, <laughs> listening to REM, this new band. Um, and uh, it's about 10, 10.30 at night, and, and I'm not making this up. We, we both kind of look up at each other, and we're the only ones in the studio. There's no one there at, at all. And, and we're like, well, you know, we're, we know what we're doing. And, uh, you know, architecture, you got to work hard and, and put all the sweat into it. And uh, Bob and I were, were uh, there till, you know, the requisite midnight or one. There's no one there at all. And uh, we come in the next morning to pin up the first, like a mid-review pin up. And... Um, we get there and like all the Swiss students, they've been there early. So everything's all pinned up beautifully, you know, and the work is freaking unbelievable. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, where they, how they do this. And uh, they, they were blowing us away. Bob and I were so humbled by, by the quality of the work and, and, and the fact that these Swiss students could actually speak because they'd had a decent night <laughs> sleep. Well rested, yeah. Yeah. And they had healthy relationships <laughs> and, and, and they would uh, go swimming at five o'clock. Uh, and so they, they physically, they were healthy emotionally. I think they were in a good, good position and they were just like better people and they did better work. And this really uh, affected me. I, in, in a positive way. So huh. uh, I came back, Bob and I came back for, to do our, our thesis. And, uh, you know, I was, I was like in the hallways teaching my, t teaching my uh, uh, classmates how to juggle and, you know, I'd go to bed at 1030 or something. And, and it was like this shift, right? And, huh. and by the way, the same thing I saw in the workplace too, this, I was in two small offices uh, where um, same thing, like 10, 10.30 in the morning, all of a sudden, like, oh, no one's working. What? And everyone stops and they go into the adjoining room and they have a coffee. And they just, uh, the the whole office, you know, uh, just talks about, uh, you know, how your garden is going or, you know, uh, stuff. 
not architecture necessarily. And they do it again at three. I mean, it's so nice, hmm. you know? And I, I, tried to, I tried to do that here when I came back in offices or with my team here. And, uh, you know, it's tough. <laughs> yeah. I, I heard, I, I've heard that, that, that generally, right. The, the idea of like Swiss firms is that if you're, if you're working super late hours, you're not being efficient, right. You're, it's a sign of like running, not running a firm well. And right. um, yeah, it's right. like you should, I mean, it's a cliche that they're disciplined, but you, they are, but they, right. there is this uh, work-life balance that I think is just wonderful. And it has affected me and, that, and maybe that helps helped me uh, think uh, that there's a good fit in a place like uh, the Rocky Mountains where, mm. where that is uh, arguably, um, you know, supported and known. Uh, yeah. At least we talk about it. I mean, I'm not saying people on the coast don't have it. Uh, it's just, it is, it is a little more overt here. Like I do recruiting for the office and we always talk about, it. and it's always a question for candidates too, is like, Am I going to be, you know, I'm moving from, uh, you know, Indianapolis here and uh, am I going for the mountains? Am I ever going to see them? And we say, hmm. yes, you will. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, okay. So you're at Harvard, you're at ETH. I mean, um, you're working with Fitzer. What are, are you able to kind of, uh, do you understand like what you come out of there with? Like, do you have a sort of like theory oh, no. theory that you come oh, out of? No. What, 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 uh, what'd you get from it you know and then where'd you go with it yeah well first of all you know you're 27 and you're a guy so you, you don't have much perspective of or at least i didn't i mean i i, I knew okay i knew that there was a rigor and a um and a way of um putting buildings together investing in uh, con uh craft and uh and i even knew at the time that um the horizon for uh, investment in buildings is longer there than it is here. Mm. I, I actually, because they they talked about it, and and so you knew that uh, you were building better, longer, more thoughtfully uh, there than than you do here. And it was, you know, it was a it was a bit of a bummer coming back and and um, not having that as a basis as much, right? Um, it's not that it. I mean, it's bit of a bummer that's one way to say it uh, it's a it's an opportunity too and I'll, there's loads of people who uh, um, are up for the challenge and and make really great work here that's for sure lasting well crafted you know so i'm, I'm not it, it's just more of a lift here right yeah seems like so after harvard did you move here right away or no i worked for uh uh, Coleman McKinnell and Wood, which was oh, really? uh, so one of the par one of the partners is Bruno Fister. He was so uh, he uh, he got me the interview, uh, and and he goes, uh, uh, "Don't be confused. You're not ever gonna work for me. I don't want anything to do. You don't want anything to do with me." So uh, so he got me the interview, and um, and then um, I, I worked with other people, which so, which was pretty pretty cool i mean there's a lot of people that have been able to get through that uh experience that kind of firm and uh they were this is um just a at the time they were doing u.s embassy in bangkok and 
some some really really strong work. They 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 were you know they got their start with the Boston City Hall when yeah. when, he, when Michael was twenty seven or something like that. And uh, anyway, it it was when you look back at the trajectory of that office, which doesn't exist anymore. We can we can talk about that too in terms of you know continuum leadership growth, all that types of firms. But anyway. Uh, that firm in uh, 88 to 90, uh, what, there was a real high point. Uh, the, the work that they were getting and the work they were doing uh, was uh, just pretty exceptional, I thought. And uh, I was uh, really psyched to be there. And so I was there for three years um, <clears throat> before moving to Denver. So, Yeah, yeah I mean, because that, uh, yeah, that had to be interesting working there, especially coming off that building and, and like, it's such a awesome building, but then it's like one of the most hated buildings in America. Right. And like, was there kind of a backlash to that when you were there at that point or anything, or were they still um, hitting it pretty strong? But Well, the style and the, the way of going back things uh, were quite different. It evolved, right. Mm. It was, it was conceived in the early sixties and, uh, um, uh, the the real turning point for that firm was the American Academy of Arts and Sciences, which is a much more like a, I'm going to butcher this totally, but uh, the beauty of that was it had a it had a um, kind of rigor, but it was based in um, uh, it was really um, uh, deferential to its um, a whole bunch of things like. Uh, not budget probably, but it was deferential to the the site in in a beautiful way. It, it was really, uh, you know, it was a forgiving building that was really humanistic and welcoming, and is is pretty amazing building. Um, and that set the tone for most of the work uh, since then. Uh, that was good, like work I was working on. So, hmm. um, but 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 much much more. Uh, I mean, their Kaufman, look at the planning work that they did, uh, like the Kaufman Foundation uh, in Kansas City. Um, and it is, uh, it's alto and uh, it's, it's really um, nuanced, right? It's not brutalist, right? So. Okay, yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah, so the, the, the um, deferential to the circumstance, you know, the academic, that, that, that was talked about all the time uh, and seen and uh, imprinted. Uh, so uh, it isn't this like pure formal thing all, all the time. There, there's times uh, for uh, relaxing some of that in, and um, KMW could do it in a pretty phenomenal way. Hmm. So. Interesting. So, okay. So then you moved to Denver and you yeah. started Oz right away. Tell uh, I did. There were, uh that was the only offer i got uh so denver was just coming out of a uh yeah so when was um, that my what, first what job year? was the only offer i got and then the uh, this one was the only one so <laughs> but lucky uh so in, in yeah. 91 uh denver 91. was coming out of they got hit really hard in the uh in 1986 1987 um the economy here was um as most people know, it was pretty focused on uh, oil and gas. It wasn't all that. The cable was starting, um, but it wasn't that diverse. So, um, excuse me, um, in 86 or 87, uh, oil and gas took a big uh, tumble, and so did Denver with it. So everyone was leaving. There was no work. So 
um, they were just coming out of that uh, in 91. And uh, there was a, uh, a, an enthusiasm and a, a, a positive outlook to the place that, that um, really, you know, was cool to sense and, and, and uh, it made sense to be here. Uh, so it was, it was, and I was telling my classmates who would go to New York or Chicago or LA, they'd be like, oh, you know, why are you going to Denver? You know, it's, it's, it's like, and, and I'd say, isn't that a cow town? And I'd, I'd say, well, yeah, but there's promise and, uh, you know, bigger fish in a smaller pond and that, that kind of thing. And you, you do realize pretty quickly, it was a smaller pond. Too. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's that. Yeah, especially so, then. Um, so anyway, there, there, uh, the firm really had just um, joined and, and recreated itself. It was two 15-person uh, firms, one in Boulder, one in Denver, Ziegel in, in Boulder, Obermeyer in Denver. Mm. And in 89, uh, they, they were really struggling and struggling to grow too and, be, and get uh, uh, beyond a certain type of project. So they, these two friends uh, one night, uh, probably over a few drinks said, Look, let's just try this. Let's join at the hip and see what happens. Hmm. So, so they did in '89. Uh, this is two years before I showed up, and uh, they immediately got a, a, a open end contract with the um, uh, Air Force Academy, and um, and then got another open end contract. These are like multiple five year contracts uh, with a National Park Service. So I showed up just when they were getting this kind of work and, and not having enough people to do it. And um, it just seemed like a really good match and opportunity. So. That's so interesting because I've, I've always kind of wondered, I've tried to figure out the beginning of Oz and like, wh what's that name? Where is it? And, and, and there's always seemed this kind of thing of like the Boulder and the Denver. And, and uh, so that's interesting that it's those two, two firms that came together and yeah. Um, yeah. yeah yeah most of my uh it was a funny name um it still is but back then you know firm names were like Ron Pedersen Fox Owings and Merrill it's, your, and it's your law firm yeah yeah and yeah. so my 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 friends uh they would say uh so where you work Oz <laughs> wow that sounds pretty funky but um you know now firms are you know, the good thing about that is it's not a, and, and this is by design too. It, it's not a, about uh, uh, these two people. It's, it's a whole thing is about this culture of uh, um, innovation, collaboration and growth, professional growth, you know, uh, and the continuum of this firm. So it's, you know, we're in our 55th year and we're just stewards of it. So hmm. we're just, we're just caretakers uh, for for the time we're here, and it's the old you know you want to leave it uh, stronger than you found it, and and there's a real commitment to that, and yeah. um, what helps is some you know abstract name, yeah, like Oz. So, I mean, I I feel like I I sort of I sort of know Oz. I I don't. Do you know Will Henschel? Uh, yeah, yeah. So he so I worked for him for three years at three five nine, and so oh. so we were he was a principal there at Oz, and so I feel like we were sort of like super mini version of Oz in some ways, you know, we, we had a lot of that sort of culture, but, but so tell me how, how Oz sort of works. And so it seems like there's a, there's obviously the Boulder and the Denver, and then there's a bunch of principals and 
Yeah. What's so the structure? You say there's yeah. obviously the boulder in the Denver. Well, I'm here to tell you there's not the boulder there's in not? Denver. There's not? No, no. No, see? Uh, and uh, there hasn't been for about four, five, four or five years. Whoa, oh, okay. no. 2010, basically, we, we came together as okay. one. And we're in, um, we're in one studio in Denver at uh, 30th and Larimer, next door to Shake Shack. Right, right. That's the, <laughs> that's the, that's the landmark. Yeah. 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 Um, so, uh, yes. Yeah, so since uh, basically 2010, uh, we uh, decided we're all stronger together in one, under one roof, basically. It's two roofs. We're in two buildings. Um, and uh, it, how does it work? Um, well, we, we've got, you know, 18 principles, about nine different practice areas. It's, uh, it's super uh, diverse. Um, and I tell people, uh, and again, this is how I would describe us to, um, to candidates when they're, when they're thinking of joining us. Um, they'll say, you know, what's the culture like? And, and um, how do you work? And, um, and, and why is it? What about this diversity thing? So, so it, oh, and they also always want to know about the dogs. We've, we've got yeah. 11 or 12 dogs uh, at any given time. So, so I, I tell people that, um, let's start with the dogs. What's that mean? Hmm. So um, it's a culture of, um, of um, a level, this balance of uh, freedom and accountability. So we, we give each other the, uh, the trust and, and, and freedom to follow our passions in in projects or geographies or project types or clientele. Um, and uh, we support each other in, in that. Um, but um, it's not without having to be accountable to each other too. Mm. We have to do it responsibly. So uh, that's, the that's the culture. I mean, we have uh, people like uh, a partner, former partner, Steve Brooks, who um, had... Um, uh, it, uh, moved his kids to Uganda for a year, and uh, and while well, he taught there, and his his students uh, then grew to be uh, planning director for Kigali, Rwanda, and, mm. and 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 so Steve has this connection to Africa uh, and a passion for it, so that was supported for years. Um, now he, yeah, it's got to be accounted. It's got to be. Uh, uh, you know, uh, responsible also. Um, so anyway, that he's one great example of, of the kind of diversity that we, we've got and, and how it's um, how it's supported back to the dogs. So, you know, uh, if you're if you want to bring your dog to work and it doesn't crap on the carpet, bring your dog to work. Uh, if, it, if it does, don't bring your dog to work, you know, so it, it's this like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, um, we treat each other like, uh, you know, responsible adults. But but at the same time, we said uh, we say, go, you know, go uh, uh, really go uh, chase, chase stuff. And, uh, you know, it's this kind of entrepreneurial uh, 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 mindset that has really helped um, after doing this with 18 principles for 20 years, you, you just naturally get an amazing diversity of, of work and types of working and types of clientele. And it's super exciting. Yeah. So, I mean, I, th I think that's something that's really interesting. You know, when I look at Oz and, and, and sometimes other large firms like that, you know, it's, 
it's that difference between the firm with the three names on the door, right? Where there's a kind of single vision for projects and a single kind of directory or direction of an architectural project, right? Uh, and with Oz, there's such diversity in in everything. It seems like, and I was kind of I was curious about what what kind of what holds the firm together. And I think that word of responsibility is really interesting. Um, it, it, does yeah. that, how does that carry through in the architecture as well, or or the kind of creation or the body of work? In other words, I mean. Um... What are the common elements? Or... Yeah, I'd say, I'd say, you know, like, uh, right, when you look at Harry Cobb's work, like, there's, there's, there's the direction architecturally that holds, that, that kind of holds it together or keeps it as a thing, right? And it seems like with Oz, it's not necessarily an architectural direction, maybe, but right. it's the values or it's that word responsibility or, or whatever. Yeah, you just answered it, yeah. <laughs> but, but, like, how does, what, it, what is responsibility for you then in, within architecture, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's this super delicate balance between, uh, you know, design leadership, knowing the right, and, and, and then some of this is formal, the, the formal stuff of uh, how to put a building together and what color to paint it. And, you know, uh, there's, there's that uh, design know-how leadership um, that, that we're being paid for, right? But in, then there's this delicate balance of, of serving the client with their budget and their schedule and their program and their desires and nuances and uh you know i got all sorts of stories about um you know where where i've you know misstepped on that uh you know listening to the client too much um that kind of thing um so, so what binds us all together i i think is this um you know it's it's hard i, I hope none of my partners are listening but <laughs> You know, they could. Uh, There's not a what, huge, huge audience for this. Yeah. You know, it's, what, it's... What, well, what binds us is it, it's not the formal kit of parts, as you, as you say, because uh, no building really, uh, the buildings all hopefully look uh, like uh, different from each other. Um, but it, it's more the process uh, and the, the values uh, behind it. And it's, it's uh, this balance between client service. I'll, I'll tell you, uh, stewardship for, for not only the, uh, the, the block or the communities we're working with in, uh, but for the globe is pretty darn strong. Uh, I mean, we've had, uh, I mean, in 93, uh, I was asked to help uh, the National Park Service understand what this word sustainable is. And so since then, even, um, and, and ever since, uh, we've, we've been working in a way that we've always uh, really got an eye on um, stewardship of resources. Um, and, and, you know, in the last 10 years, wellness. Um, we've, uh, our sustainability director is, is not just a director of sustainability. Julie's been, uh, you know, a leader in this region and nationally for 20 years. Uh, so we've got, we've got a, that, who, is, that's, who is that? Julie. Julie. Julie Edwards. Okay. Yeah. So um, out of that is it's coming naturally that we do the you know a lot of uh, the country's first lead pro projects. You know, hospital in, in Boulder, first lead hospital, um, first lead resort in California that we did. Um, um, the Fort Collins um, Museum of Discovery that I um, oversaw. That's the first uh, platinum museum um, this side of the Mississippi. So we. We've got that kind of leadership, and we're 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 doing uh, we're now on our fifth uh, CLT building for for Denver, uh, 
and um, we're ahead of most other people in Denver anyway, uh, understanding how to put a CLT building together. Yeah. Um, and panelization and volumetric prefab. We're, 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 we're doing that stuff to be uh, more efficient uh, with both resources and, and of course, you know, our clients money when they, when they go build things. So anyway, that, that's a common thing is, is that kind of innovation uh, based on being smart with resources. Um, it's not a formal thing that binds us all together or, or a formal design process. You, you've got, uh, you know, 12 or 18 different principles with, with their own kind of way of working with their own kind of clientele that, that demands a different process. You know, like, for example, our our work uh, in resorts, which is 40, 50% of our, our work, um, really um, capitalizes on a, uh, on a charrette format uh, where, where we get, there's a whole bunch of stakeholders and um, we found over the years that that's a really effective tool and uh, uh, working nationally with, with that kind of clientele. Now, a, a charrette process with the University of Colorado uh, or Lockheed Martin, um, not not so much, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, that's really interesting, you know, because Will came from the, the hospita hospitality kind of side of Oz. And so we mm -hmm. would, I think we were kind of doing the same sort of charrettes systems as as you guys might have been but 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 that idea of serving the client you know you said you could you have a bunch of stories of when it tips one way or the other i'm, I'm interested to hear about that because it, it is it's it's a delicate thing right uh the idea of serving a client sometimes possibly at odds at serving capital a architecture or or or, yeah. or, or society right or yeah. place or and so it's it seems like a slippery slope or more like a balancing act, right? Of how you, how you're able to kind of steward or shepherd that client along, but allow it to come in. Do you have one of those good stories of when it worked or didn't or? Yeah. And you want addresses, don't you? Probably. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, we can you know, keep it anonymous. Yeah. I can give you good hints, but uh, there's, um, well, I had a, um, a client, well, look, a couple things. You, you mentioned um, the, the, I think you, I forget what the word you used, but it made me think, you know, part of this is um, investing or, or uh, investing the time and uh, having the communication skills and the empathy with your client to, to um, uh, uh, the word isn't teach them, but, but to bring them along with, with uh, the right answer, you know, mm -hmm. and that takes work. And and I, the, the the architects that are better than me and most of them are the um, they're really good at educating and and making the client aware of this opportunity to do something in a in a, in a, in a higher level than what's in their head uh, and they, and they're willing to spend uh, the time the fee uh, to do that um, now I, I'm I'm decent at it. Um, but um, the the work. Let's just say the architects I really admire. They they do it more. So, um, uh, and I don't mind uh, you know learning from and talking about those where where uh, uh, they were out of balance. And one of them was uh, with a client who uh, really have a really strong relationship with. Uh, we're doing work right now with them. Um, and uh, really important work. And uh, at the time, um, 
uh, I thought it would be good to tell this story about uh, working with a community to create uh, new uh, homes for them and um, where, um, where you sit on this um, spectrum of, of leadership and, and uh, you know, service. And, and we, shared, we shared our story together on a stage in a, a leadership forum in, in Denver uh, a few years ago. So, mm. you know, if you want, you can Google, uh, you know, Denver leadership architecture or something. You'll, you'll find us. Anyway, um, that was re really cool because we both were acknowledging that um, this is, um, it's, it's an opportunity that, um, you know, did we make all that we could have uh, for it? We, we basically listened to the, the uh, residents uh, uh, in a way that um, we're, I'm wondering if we should have listened that much or not. Now, mm -hmm. The, the residents are really happy with what they got. They really are. It's in, um, uh, but I think that there were some opportunities for doing it st stronger architecture. Yeah. Architecture. Right. Do you have that, uh, that high point of your career? Do you have a mountaintop moment? Oh yeah. You know, I've been what, telling what people yeah. since 2000. No, there's one. There's one. There's one. No, not really. I thought there was one. One right, you know, it's usually, it's a little cliche, but, uh, you know, today was a really cool day. Uh, and huh. the, the last few months have been really amazing. Uh, working with the Denver Housing Authority to create uh, affordable housing in Sun Valley along the river uh, to, and, and there, there are two main purposes um, over the years. It's not just recently. Denver Housing Authority has had a mission to create equitable equity social equity and wellness uh while they do it so uh, we were working uh, on the complete transformation with them about seven years ago in the mariposa neighborhood it was all about healthy living wellness um growing food um air light community that was about seven years ago along uh, in april okay so just after uh march <laughs> Um, when uh, we're all really wondering what the world is going to be like uh, for the next year, uh, uh, get a call from Denver Housing Authority, say, hey, uh, we want you to do this block in Sun Valley, uh, and uh, uh, we're assuming you'd be having, have interest in it. Uh, I had helped them remaster plan it a bit last year, and so I knew that there were like nine city blocks, and they, in, uh, in April they called and they said, uh, yeah, we want to give you a block. Uh, why don't you know the different blocks? Why don't you pick which one you want? And I'm like, uh, it's the one along the river. Yeah, nice. <laughs> and and uh, fitness. And, uh, there's a uh, you know uh, recreation paths. And there's all sorts of reasons for along the river. Um, so anyway, that came along, you know, and and the team uh, in, in the office. We kind of can't believe the the timing of of this happening at the same time, you know, as we're working from starting it in April, and then, so wellness and social equity. This is all we're talking about uh, all summer, right? And here we have this opportunity to uh, to create uh, 125 to 150 new homes and, and business incubators and food incubators uh, for. Uh, people coming into um, Denver. That is a high point. I mean, mm. come on. That's that's really phenomenal. It's also, you know, humbling and scary that we have this opportunity and all that. But 
So that's a high point. Um, but uh, the one that I thought would be a high point forever uh, was one where uh, we got to uh, redesign the U.S. station in Antarctica for the oh, uh, yeah. National Science Foundation. So in 2012, um, I was in uh, with my family uh, touring the uh, World Trade Center site in in New York and uh, uh, staring into the hole when I got a uh, one of the two holes when I got a phone call uh, from Lockheed Martin saying, uh, we want you to um, redesign the station and a lead uh, start with a master plan and then uh, uh, design buildings for that. Um, and um, this was in August and they said, um, uh, we're sending you the uh, medical paperwork to get you cleared so you can go down there <laughs> in, in November. And uh, oh my God, I just remember turning to my family like, okay, this is, this is pretty amazing. This is pretty amazing. And, and, but it was strange because you were in this like, I mean, I'll never forget this. I mean, you had all these emotions going and then you throw this thing on top. Mm. So, so it didn't take long for me to realize that this would be a high point of my career and it would be all downhill from there. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. uh, well, so I thought so, but then, you know, you get these other really amazing opportunities, but that the, the cool thing about that isn't just um, the place and it sounds, you know, it sounds sexy and all that. Um, this is a legit, it's a logistical hub uh, that has been in place uh, since 1955 on the coast of Antarctica, uh, which I didn't really know anything about. I was pretty sure it was down, not up. <laughs> um, and I, there, there was just, it was all so new. Uh, but anyway, it was a logistical hub that the Navy had started in 1955. And, and the thing had just over the years grown um, and um, not according to, you know, real good strategic planning. It was a little more incremental for, for a bunch of good reasons, decent reasons. Anyway, there's now 105 buildings scattered across the side of this active volcano, which is a crazy thing. Um, and uh, it's all about science. It's National Science Foundation, and it's uh, this. This is a community of about 1,200 people to support the the science being done down there. And this is where I really realized that this would be a, a high point of, the, of my career is is being on this plane, flying from you. You have to go to Christchurch, New Zealand first to get there, and then you get on a. Um, Air Force uh, cargo jet to take you five and a half hours due south of New Zealand. On that plane, I looked around and uh, you, everyone uh, was wearing like different kind of coats. Uh, scientists were wearing these red coats, the aviators, the uh, um, uh, National Guard that was in charge of moving stuff around. They, they were in green. Uh, and then you had all these carpenters and, and uh, tradesmen and their Carhartts. Uh, yet you had the, these different cultures. And uh, everyone's there for this one mission. Hmm. They're all in it to advance our understanding of uh, the globe uh, through about five different realms of science, astrophysics to, to uh, you know, biology. And um, that's when it was like, God, I'm really, it, it, it's really, this is cliche, but you know, you're part of something really big here. <laughs> yeah. And, and we have, and the job for us was to make McMurdo station more efficient so that fewer dollars go into heating uh, the place uh, and more dollars go into the science. So it, it was a real concrete 
kind of uh, charge that you could get super excited about. And and by the way, the bar was really low too. They had like hardly any uh, insulation down there uh, uh, because actually they had a nuclear plant, uh, a small nuclear plant making steam, like unlimited steam for uh, for a while. And so a lot of the buildings are built with like R5. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So again, you know, I could go on for six hours talking about this. But anyway, that high point—that's a high point. Yeah, um, I mean, it seems. Yeah, it seems like a really like um, exaggerated like uh, example of of you in a way of of like that idea of really having to be connected to place and detail and energy efficiency. But then that idea of like all these trades and professions coming together and you and yeah. you helping to knit it all together and yeah 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 and 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 make and have a good cool story about it and a sex, <laughs> sexy location uh but yeah uh, my client my client would um he was uh one you know the most amazing clients i've ever had uh in that he would um uh trust me and um um not only do all the nuts and bolts of communicating and giving us the the right resources and everything but uh um, he would, when we got there, he was like, okay, now just go out and like eat it up and, f um, get to know the place. And, and I was, uh, I was making these connections between the scientists and the guys shoveling the snow and getting them to talk or, or, or getting, getting an insight, um, uh, by, by doing some of that, uh, matchmaking that now that you mention it, yeah, I felt comfortable doing that. So, yeah. And sometimes I was at the bar too. I'd come home, you know, come home, come back to the dorm at, you know, one in the morning and he'd, he'd roll his eyes and go, Oh, doing more research. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's how, that's how good architecture gets done. One in the morning. Yeah. But well, hey, unless you're in Switzerland, yeah, unless you're in Switzerland. Yeah. But, but just because they weren't in the studio doesn't mean that they weren't out at the bar. You know, maybe you were just at the wrong, wrong spot. That's probably but, true. <laughs> well, Hey, you know, thanks. Uh, you know, I, again, this is like the second time we've met, but um, you know, you, there's such a kind of lore or buzz around you of, of just being such a, a good kind of mentor or architect around Denver. And, um, and, and I think just that attitude that you have here, the kind of humility, but then also the kind of collaborativeness uh, is just, it's inspiring. And um, yeah, appreciate you coming on and, and talking. So Well, I think it's super cool what you're doing. I mean, it's not that different. You're, you're you know, having these conversations across a, a bunch of different viewpoints. And, uh, you know, that's that's the key. So it's really cool that you're doing that. And yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm super humbled to be a part of that so thank you yeah well you know like i keep saying it, it's it's just all selfishness on my part because i'm just trying to to learn from all you guys who've already done it <laughs> done what i want to do so thank you <laughs> you're, you're welcome all right well have all a right, good cool. have a good day and talk we'll talk let's get a beer together let's do it and continue the conversation exactly all right see ya okay bye. bye bye Thank you for listening to this week's show. You can visit architect-ing.com to see images from this week's guest. And please rate and review this show wherever you listen to podcasts. Have a great week and continue to reach out. Thanks.
This is Sarah Hubbard, host of You and Me Kid, a podcast about starting and raising a family on your own. We just launched season two, and I'm speaking with single moms, those still considering, and experts in relevant fields to give you a real sense of what the day-to-day experience of solo parenting looks and feels like. Plus, this season, I've partnered with California Cryobank, the number one sperm bank in the U.S. So wherever you are in the process, this podcast provides some support, humor, and helpful information. Listen to You and Me Kid wherever you get your podcasts.